You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Bay of the Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. So welcome, welcome again for Snarky Faith Radio. It's good to be back here another week. And before I get into stuff, I want to go ahead and just front load this and remind you guys that we're starting something out a little bit new here on the show. <laughs> we'll kind of see how it transpires. We've got a snarky hotline set up. 919-525-1570. And it's a place where you can give us feedback. It's essentially a spot for you to drop us a voicemail message for us to be able to put here on the show featuring you. And nine times out of 10, you're going to get on the show with this. I'm just going to go ahead and front load that and that you're going to go ahead and you're going to be on the show, whether it be for glory or infamy. So if you're interested, if you want to give feedback, if you want to Talk a little snark with the snark master here. Leave us a message. 919-525-1570. Well, this has been a crazy week so far. (laughs) I feel like that's the intro to every show. What a crazy week we've had. What insanity. Oh, oh, the loss of hope that's going on here in Trump's America. It's enough to make you want to drink. So I will. Just not right now. But on this show, we're going to go today. I'm here here here's at least my my aspirations, my attempt. I think we're going to go a little light on Trumpy today. Not because Trumpy deserves it, but because we got other stuff to talk about. And when it comes about to other stuff we want to talk about, we've got to get to what we always got to get to here on this show. We got to get to our bit of Christian crazy. And I wanted to start off Christian crazy with something a little different than we're used to. Because yes, 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 I know, I know one of my like hate man crushes is the good old Jim Baker. We love to hate on Jim here at the show. I don't know what I'd do without Jim. If anything happened to Jim, who would I have to mock? Well, actually there's plenty others to mock, but Jim, Jim just offers us so much on a regular basis. That is just ripe with sarcasm and mockery. So Jim, we love you in an anti love you kind of way. But I was thinking about this as I kind of skewer through and look through different crazy Christian crazy of the week. I thought I'm thinking of kind of a little bit of a new segment and who better else to start off this new Christian segment in the crazy box here than Jim. Because when we look at Jim, I know typically you guys get me offering the snark up for what he's saying because it is. It's totally just off the walls nuts. But you know what? I, I've I kind of came up with a way this week, a better way to listen to Jim. You know, kind of the same way we listen to sitcoms. You know, sitcoms that aren't generally funny, but as we listen to them, things like The Big Bang Theory, where they give us these things called laugh tracks that tell us when to laugh. 
that give us that marker, that indication that something funny has occurred, and now it is your turn to laugh. I mean, it's one of those things that has worked in stand-up. Wait, it hasn't worked in stand-up at all for years? No, it hasn't? Oh, gosh. So it's just a weird old trope that certain sitcoms continue to use. They do? Really? This is still a thing? Oh, even on popular ones. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That's antiquated. That's just sad. And it's not even really funny. But we're going to make it funny. We're going to make it funny because we're going to give you our first bit of the Christian crazy of the week with good old Jimbo Baker talking about the end times. Surprise, shocker. I know you'd expect him to talk about something else, but he's talking about the end times again. I know it's just totally out of his normal playbook, but you know, that's Jim for you. But we want to go ahead and let you listen to some unfiltered Jim, but except this time and set except uh, I'm not going to be snarky in the midst of it. Now I'll unpack it at the end, but at the beginning, I'm going to let you listen to this with a little bit of sitcom magic. So sit back, relax, and see if this helps you to listen to crazy Christians, because I think it will. So here you go. God has spoken to us to prepare for what's coming. I believe Donald Trump was given by God to give us a respite Mm -hmm. and give us a time of prosperity. But do you think the evil Antichrist spirit is sitting back? No. They're fighting tooth and toenail. (laughs) Uh They're they're fighting the the president. They want to kill him. And believe me, if they get one open shot, someone will kill our president. Matter of fact, right. news yesterday, uh, they had to go and find somebody in Pennsylvania that has made threats to the president of the United States to kill him. Yes. This is real. And when you talk about the prophet, the prophets being here on this stage, this is the number one thing that keeps saying, Jim, Lori, audience, we are living in the most prophetic time in history than any other time. If that's the case, we're getting the storehouse ready one bucket at a time. And All then, you preppers yeah. that don't have coffee, this is your moment to start getting your coffee ready. Start stocking up on coffee. The, Bartering is going to yeah. be the number one thing. What do you think that would be worth when if if the sun don't shine? What would it be worth oh. with the... The, the, this power goes out and there's no trucks running and the EMP bomb or whatever the, uh, they're talking about for these last day events. This two-gallon bucket mm-hmm. of packs of coffee, yes. you could trade them for whatsoever you want. That's it. You could probably get a new car for one packet of coffee. Oh, boy. <laughs> so all humor aside... All I'm really going to comment on, because we like to comment on Jim quite often on this show, um, I just like the logic here of the world is ending. Get everything in order with the Lord. But also make sure to go out and buy our end times buckets because, hey, in the end times, you're going to be able to trade coffee for a car. Because if we're at the place where... A car is worth a pound of coffee. 
awesome. Wait, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes Jim is just left to the laugh track. And I think that's where we'll leave him. Uh, but getting into more Christian crazy and more, 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 more of fun. Let's go ahead and go there. And just because all life should be exactly like the movie Transformers The Last Night. Now, if you haven't watched that movie, I'll go ahead and save you the time from watching that movie because it is an un it is an ungodly mess of film that is thrown up against the screen for good God, over two hours. Um, if you can imagine a movie where Marky Mark seems smart and Michael Bay is being his very Michael Bayist, you can kind of get a synopsis or a snapshot of how we're living in Trump's America right now and why that would lead a lot of people, especially on the religious right, to be more crazy. Yeah, I just compared the Trump administration and the world that we're living in to Transformers last night. Again, please, please, please do not go and watch the movie to be able to find any kind of deep biblical or personal truths to this movie. It's just a mess and the mess that we're living in. And on the heels of that mess, we have our next little bit of crazy Christian. So I'd noticed this and I noticed things on the internet, especially when I have my crazy conservative friends that enjoy pushing out their conspiracy theories upon the world about why everyone is against Christians. You know, that kind of thing, like the really just the apex of white privilege, white American Christians saying the world is against me. What am I going to do? I don't know. Help me Jesus. And so this article comes from none other than the Brisbane times, the Brisbane, Brisbane, maybe Brisbane times. Yes. Uh, meaning that's for those of you that are geographically not inclined. We're talking about news from Australia. Yes. The place that apparently is not going through summer right now, like the rest of us in the Northern hemisphere. And they have an article that is entitled Baptist pastor has visa canceled after public nuisance charges. I'm going to go ahead and just read part of this because it's just fun. A Baptist church pastor charged with public nuisance uh, offenses after recently confronting Muslims at two Brisbane mosques this week has had his visa canceled. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton reviewed the case, and on Friday, the Australian Border Force decided to cancel 31-year-old Logan Robertson's visa and prepare to send him back to New Zealand. So, unpacking this story a bit, we have Pastor. Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. Such a wonderful title that doesn't apply to most people that use the title. Logan Robertson, who decided to go and be what we shall call air quotes wise evangelistic at a mosque. No, not one mosque, two mosques. So, yes, 
So good old Logan was hanging out in front of a couple mosques and bothering people with friends, which most people don't call evangelism. They call harassment. And because of multiple claims of this, Logan's getting his traveler's visa revoked. Christians around the world are calling, not around the world, really just in America, are, are, are saying that this is persecution. But guess what, Logan? When you go out and be an a-hole, expect to be treated like an a-hole. So if you're getting your visa revoked, this isn't about religious persecution. This is just you about you being an ass. It's about you being an ass and has nothing to do with the gospel or evangelism. So for those evangelists out there right now listening, being an ask is not part of being an evangelist. Otherwise, they'd call you an ass evangelist. That's not even good, but I'm still going to go with it. And if you think things are bad for dear old Logan, we need to go ahead and look back to how things are in the United States. And this one, this one, this one, this one's fun. It's fun, but at the same time, it's honestly really sad. And I, I, I've seen this report on many different outlets. But guess what? I'm going to go, go ahead with Michael Harriet, who entitled his article, Slaves, Dinosaurs, and White Jesus, Oh My, How Taxpayers Fund Crazy Christian Conservative Education. And if Michael's title alone was all that we were going to dive into, it would probably be enough. But oh, 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 it goes so much worse when you actually start digging in the truth of what is happening in Florida. I'm going to go ahead and read Michael's words because they're probably better than mine. He begins his article by saying this. Slaves who accepted Jesus into their hearts were better off than the ones who held on to African religions. Black people were pretty happy under Jim Crow until Northerners messed everything up. Noah brought dinosaurs onto his ark, and Africans had dinosaur puppies. But the Nazis don't want you to know that. These are not crazy ideas. These are lessons from textbooks and workbooks being taught as facts to hundreds of thousands of children in private and charter schools across Florida. Even worse... The taxpayers of Florida are footing the bill for students to learn educations of these facts. <laughs> what? 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 Is this real? Is this true? Michael, in your own words, please tell us more. Well, Michael goes on to say this. More than 300,000 of Florida's K-12 through students are enrolled in one of the state's 2,000-plus private schools, according to the Florida Department of Education. The Florida Sentinel reports that 140,000 of these children receive state scholarships or vouchers to attend these schools, costing taxpayers nearly $1 billion. Michael says, while the state subsidies subsidizes these students' education. Florida's notoriously conservative legislature prohibits the state education department from asking about the curriculum at these schools. But when the Sentinel looked at the curriculum used by some of the private Christian schools, it found that many of the companies that supply the textbooks and lesson plans were staunchly conservative to the point of rewriting history. So, first of all, 
If you've lived in America for, I don't know, more than six months, we already understand that Florida is the land of insanity. Beautiful beaches, lots of retirees, and the rest is filled with trailer park people that apparently, based upon this study, are all putting their kids into charter schools so they can learn themselves the good Christian education. Yes, I'm being snarky, but the sad matter here is that <laughs> I can be snarky all I want, and the rest of this is true. The less of this is true. And according to the Orlando Sentinel, they said this. They found numerous instances of distorted history and science lessons that are outside mainstream academics. The book denounces, uh, some of the books they're using, denounce evolution as untrue, for example. And one shows a cartoon of men and dinosaurs together telling students the biblical Noah likely brought dinosaurs onto his ark. The science books they added, seem to discourage students from doing experiments or even asking questions. Now, I know in an educational, I'm trying not to say educational because that's this just, yeah. Um, from an educational standpoint, the idea of doing experiments and asking questions is paramount to learning, right? But if we look at this, if we look at this from the standpoint of our churches, are asking questions and seeking deeper truths something that our churches in America generally embrace? My answer would be no. You obey what, we're, what we tell you to obey from the pulpit. What is spoken by the pastor is truth. So this idea of doing experiments Asking questions, trying to wait for it, learn more. Apparently, apparently, isn't what these schools, <laughs> on top of a curriculum, are about. Uh, the Sentinel continues to say that the books are rife with religious and political opinions on topics such as abortion, gay rights, and the Endangered Species Act, which one labels as, quote, radical social agenda. They disparage religions other than Protestant Christianity and cultures other than those descended from white Europeans. Experts say that, uh, experts said that was particularly worrisome given that about 60% of scholarship students are black and Hispanic. The article continues saying, the scholarship's the private schools may use to purchase these academic materials are paid for either directly by the state or with tax credits, money diverted from the state's budget by, corpor uh, by corporations that make scholarship donations and then write off an equivalent amount from their state tax bills. The, the scholarships are available to students from low-income families or to those with disabilities, and their parents are free to enroll them in any private school that the state that accepts the state-backed vouchers. So this, 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 this idea that many Christians and Betsy DeVos loves, this idea of let's take kids out of publicly funded schools and give them the ability to go to other schools, a.k.a. 
charter schools with voucher programs. This is the way to do it. This is the way for education to be privatized. This is the way that we need to do this. But when we're seeing this, oh, guess what? There's no regulations. I know, I know, I know we got rid of Scott Pruitt. I know, I know, I know conservatives love Scott Pruitt and Trump because, hey, we're getting regulations. Screw the environment. Screw all this. Regulations, bad. They make us feel icky. Especially when it comes to things like education. We don't like regulations. We don't tell like you telling us what to learn. We don't like things like scholarship and education and books and free thought and questions. That's not what we do here on the religious right. We want our own charter schools to continue to pollute our kids' brains just like we do every Sunday. Oh, gosh, I went off the rails. I went a little too snarky there. Or did I? Did I? Did I? Did I? Did I get overly snarky by calling myself snarky? Do we get into a snark loop there? We just may have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. That's happening. And that's Florida for you people. Because we essentially want our schools to teach our children that there were dinosaurs on the ark. There were dinosaurs on the ark being taught to our children through public education dollars. This is a thing. And we wonder, we wonder why America tends to be full of morons that apparently don't know how to read things like books. Where do they get this stuff from? They get it from the churches, which is really a sad matter of fact, if you really think about it, the fact that somehow the Christian perspective, the Jesus way of life has come to a place where thought, questions, and looking deeper into subjects is frowned upon. Wait, what? We've God created humanity with a consciousness, and with the brain. Let's just run with this idea, right? Let's just go ahead and say that's true. How would this make sense that the God of the universe that created humans with intelligence and a brain would want us to not use our intelligence vicariously our brains to be able to think to be able to use it to think about how the universe came together, to be able to use it to think about, hey, how does this crap I listen to Sunday apply to the world around me? Oh, it doesn't? Oh, that makes it so much easier. <laughs> it's so much easier when we don't think. Oh, Christianity, you've given us the ultimate out on being good Christians. And that's kind of a weird thought to think there, right? that somehow our Christian culture has given us an out on being what Jesus would call good Christians to the world around us. But apparently that's the world we're living in. I would say thanks, Trump, but actually this has been going on long, long, long before you were the Messiah of the religious right. It was back in the days when you were banging porn stars, you know, like a couple of years back, but yeah, before you entered the Oval Office, that kind of a time. Yeah. 
before you were the Messiah. That time, that time. Oh, 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 so it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. And I know I said at the beginning, we're going to try to steer away from too much Trumpy talk. We'll get into a little bit here. But then for the rest of the show, steer clear of that orange buoy that is floating in our way. That somehow was always floating in our way. Is it moving? Is it not moving? I don't know. But somehow that orange buoy is always in everybody's way. Messing up your selfies. They're messing up everything that you tend to want to experience on a regular basis because that's what he does. So last and not, and not certainly least because when, yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and give it, give it its due, give it its due because we, we want to know, we want to know, especially when we're in the realm of Christian crazy. We want to know what's the truth, what's going on, what's God trying to tell us. Come on people. Right, right, right. We want to hear this. We have to, We have to. I'm pretty sure there's people out there that simply just listen to the beginning of this show to get their Christian crazy or AKA regular news and ignore my sarcasm. And for those folks out there that are listening to this, because they, you know, the, the folks that want to hear the truth without the sarcasm. Well, who am I to stand in your way? So here we go. Let's talk about the soul's of America and how Trump is all about harvesting for Jesus. And I'll remind you that all of this comes from author. And I say that very lightly, author Paul McGuire, who wrote Trumpocalypse, colon, the end times president, comma, battling against the globalist elite, comma, and count town to Armageddon, parentheses, Babylon code, and parentheses, because you know the book has got to be good if it's got colons and something in parentheses. Because again, you can't judge a book by its cover, but its title will tell you everything that happens in the entire damn book. Paul. You have that in spades, my friend. When everybody else just has a simple title, you have a summary as your title. And it can't get better than this. Especially for folks. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, just go ahead and assume that much of the religious right aren't readers. So you've given them a book cover where you can judge the cover by the book. Yeah, you actually can. Good old Paul McGuire and Troy Anderson have done this. They have have done what no one else has. I don't know really even, I can't even continue the string of BS that I'm doing right now. Uh, But if you haven't, you really should. You should go check it out on Amazon. Trumpocalypse. The cover in itself is just gorgeous with the white house and maybe Mars, maybe the moon, maybe some other planet exploding and lots of fire. Like it looks like something that Nicholas Cage would star in like right now, or maybe Steven Seagal. 
I mean, it's, it's that, it's that good to where you have guys that used to do direct to DVD movies. And those guys are saying, I'm sorry, tell me more Trumpocalypse. Oh, this needs to sound like the next movie in my canon. (laughs) Paul, 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 please, please, please give us the truth of what is happening because we need to know it. And for my regular listeners, we don't want to pay for the book or your brand of insanity. So we'll take a soundbite instead. I know. I know. We're cheap. We're cheap. Or we really just don't want to waste our time, brain cells, and money on it. Either way, it's a conundrum, but you're going to talk to us nonetheless. So talk, Paul, and we'll break it down. We believe very strongly, to be blunt, that God raised up Donald Trump. Agree to disagree, but I'll let you get back to what you're saying. My apologies. To give America a divine reprieve, not because America uh, deserves it. It's an act of grace. So, so, So God is giving us Trump as a reprieve from our sinfulness, and Donald Trump is a sign of God's Grace? Again, if you missed our episode last week, you should go back and find it at www.sarkivate.com for one of my crazy theories that probably isn't true, but this fits in with it. My theory of, hey, what if God is an a-hole? What would it look like? Oh, (laughs) it would look like what Paul is saying. God gave us Trump as a gift. (laughs) Remind me to never... Invite God to my birthday. At least Paul's God. God raised up Trump as an admittedly imperfect man. And we go through the, the biblical justification for that. Trump is an imperfect man, uh, imperfect man. But so was the king of Babylon mm. that God used to rescue his people. So was Pharaoh, an imperfect man that God used to deliver his people. So this is one of those arguments that I tend to just really enjoy and love when I hear it brought up on a regular basis. Oh, God called Trump, and regardless of what you say about what he does or what he's done or who he's done, he's a perfect man, but God can still use him. So that, that's, that's the logic that they're running with here. And, and what it does in an argument sense, it gives them a perfect out for anything. Oh, he's imperfect. Oh, but God still uses imperfect people. So guess what? Um, For anyone that's read the Bible and read it for what it's worth, you can read through the Bible, and when it comes to humankind, if we want to talk about people that are imperfect, which I know we like to throw this term around in Christian circles, the only one we could really tag that, that perfect status with would be Jesus. So anybody else, anybody else in the Bible, anyone else you want to use to compare to Trump, go for it. Because they would just be an imperfect human being because, hey, we're all human. We all mess up. Hey, that's why we need this whole grace thing, right? Except, except what Paul's using here is God used the Babylonian king. God used Pharaoh. God used. 
I mean, it would be easy to just put any monster in that kind of a Mad Lib situation saying, well, I'm going to use this and it's going to get sick, but I'm going to use it anyways. Where Paul's kind of, well, God used Hitler to show the people that the Nazis were bad, right? Is that your logic, right? God used Hitler. I don't even, I, it, it's, it's a bad analogy and I don't even want to run with it. But but if you're seeing this, if you're seeing the lack of logic that good old Paul here is using, which there's a fundamental lot of illogicalness that is being thrown around in, in just in what we've begun with here, in being able to justify Trump, you're ending up doing this kind of like, I don't know, religious gymnastics to continue to prove your point or to make your point which I am now at a place where I'm probably almost guilty of losing my point, but meaning this. The argument that, well, God's still using Trump, even though he's imperfect, because look at what we've got. One Supreme Court justice waiting for two. Look at God and all of this. Don't look at Trump. Don't look at the horrible things he's doing against humanity and in the name of the United States, no, 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 ignore those things because God uses people like Pharaoh, who was horrible to the Jews in the Bible, not a good guy, but God used him to live. No, wait, 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 wait. I like like his, his, his non-linear like logic here. Like, if we want to think of the Old Testament, if you even want to go Exodus-wise, wouldn't the person that was really chosen by God in this situation be... Let me think of his name. Moses? Wouldn't you rather have a Moses in a situation than <laughs> a Pharaoh? And think of this. We've boiled this down, even like Sunday school logic. Well, at least God appointed us Donald Trump as Pharaoh, because he died or, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. And I will let him continue to speak his insanity because that's the segment that we're in. If God can't find one of his own men, you know, a Christian mm -hmm. or somebody to do the job, he's mm -hmm. going to find an imperfect man to do the job. Yeah, certainly uh, every president that, that we're familiar with going back throughout the 20th century was highly imperfect. Right. <laughs> and and, and the, the irony is when Trump uh, emerged on the scene, he exposed the fraudulent nature of our entire political economic system. Mm. So again, Trump's imperfect, which I think that we can all agree on as a human being, as a president, as a barely a homo sapien, very imperfect, very imperfect in all that he does. But I like this, and, and my curiosity in what, what is being said here comes from the fact of, wait, wait, so then, by your also definition and how you're laying out that God uses imperfect people and we have imperfect presence, was Obama doing God's work, even through, though he was an imperfect person? as said by the religious right, that Obama was horrible, but God can use, and it doesn't make sense. You can't pull that out, that he's not perfect, but God is using him. 
it doesn't work on a large scale when you begin to do that. It works in a tiny ounce of something that you can throw out in an argument, maybe to win that argument with someone that's not that intelligent or paying attention to what you're saying. But if you really want to look larger at things, which you don't, it makes no sense. Because really what the, the, the whole like ethical line out that you've laid out here, Paul, is essentially that every president's fine. They're imperfect, but God still uses them. So then we as Christians should say nothing and just go along with it because that's what the religious right has done. Haven't they? I'm pretty sure they have, right, 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 right. No, they haven't at all. No, they haven't at all. Again, I'm being sarcastic. And you're tuning into a show called Snarky Faith. So expect more of that to come. So Trump is hated because, as you know, Trump is all the globalist elite consider, these are their words, mm -hmm. they consider Donald Trump the single greatest threat to their globalist agenda. They want a godless one world order. Now, here's the thing. God, God. You know, I don't know how I get, I get emotional when I, when I when I talk about this. Okay, God has a plan for America. Mm -hmm. The Pilgrims and Puritans escaped persecution in the 1600s. They were fervent, Bible-believing, born-again Christians on fire for God. Mm -hmm. They had a first great awakening. Charles Finney in the first great awakening. The fire of God, the revival of God, the great awakening of God, that, that spiritual power embedded its way into our Constitution, Bill of Rights, our whole legal structure, our whole nation. It was that formula, if you will, the Bible integrated with our society and politics that birthed the most powerful nation in the history of civilization. So I know we're getting excited here that God somehow ejaculated his godness and Bibleness and holiness somehow onto America. And as Paul McGuire here is just laying out, oh my gosh, look at the people that came to begin this country. Look at how our country was formed. It is so imbued, soaked, drenched in godness that there would never be anything that would not seem Christian or godlike or Jesus-y about America. Oh, wait, did that start right away? Did it start right away with the killings of Native Americans and the stealing of land? And then, wait, what happened soon after? Oh, the bringing over of Africans on slave ships? So wait, where is this God ejaculate happening over our soil? I'm Paul. I'm, are you just using, like, are you just henpecking through history to really get excited and raise your voice? I think you are because, because whatever you're saying makes no sense besides to the people that already believe in what you're saying. But either way, please just don't tell us that this is somehow some sort of a foundation that God was laying here in the United States to do God's will, blah, blah, blah. You won't go there. You won't do that. Of course you Because it was on a foundation of Christianity, not secular humanism or, or progressivism or Marxism. Now, we've lost that. So it's often fun, especially historically speaking, to throw up a bunch of isms that weren't even understood or conceived of 
within the time period that we're speaking of, meaning that we're talking about the founding of our country, actually pre-founding of our country, where you know he's getting into the religious liberties of the pilgrims and how filled with the spirit they were. And all of that jazz that tends to happen. And it's fun to be able to throw up, hey, guess what? There were no Marxisms. There, was, there were no Marxists in the bunch of all this. There were no communists either. You see? You see what God was doing here? Oh, but wait, let's just ponder a bit. Was, had Marx been born? Had Marx been, was Marx going to be born within the next hundred years? No, not really. Oh, we had no Marxism. We really didn't have socialism at this time either. Why? <laughs> because it didn't exist. So for you to make your main argument that, like, look at this, all these socialists, all these Marxists weren't founding this country because they didn't exist, you asshat. That's just kind of how history works. That's just kind of how it works. But I'll let you finish, kind of. We've got, God has given us a man who just happens to believe in America, capitalism, free enterprise. He happens to believe in God. He has decency and character. So basically what I'm going to tell you here is if you want to read some great fiction that will definitely be ridiculously comical, it's going to read as satire, even though the author wrote it as fiction slash truth slash biblical truth. You should probably read Trump Popocalypse. I mean, if you want to have a good read, like, I haven't actually wanted to put down my money to be able to support this dude. So if any of you have a hacked version of it, you can send it to me at questions at starkyfaith.com because I would rather not pay any money for Paul McGuire and his folks. So yes, apparently God only loves capitalism. God only loves whatever, whatever. I it's 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 just a waste of air. At a certain point, like it's fun to make fun of for a while. It's fun to point out, but then at a certain point you're like, ah, I'm just wasting my time. So let's not waste any more of our time and hop into something. I want to delve a little bit deeper into, and I want to delve a little bit deeper into the problem with white Jesus. Let's talk about white Jesus. And when we speak of things like we have today already, revisionist history, like what's happening in charter schools in Florida, where we're teaching our children crazy crackpot, quote unquote, science. And I say science in that, that way because is it science? Is it? I'm pretty sure we're just teaching kids fiction. I, I mean... Is it fiction? Is it propaganda? Are they all the same? Probably. Probably from the standpoint. But I want to hop in and talk deeper on this idea and, and, and the inherent problem, especially within American Christianity, with white Jesus. And I know this is something that's it's been tossed around for years. It's been tossed around for years. And, and, and I want to kind of just go through this in, in a snarky manner of why this is hella problematic when we begin to worship a white Jesus. Now, before we hop into that, I'm going to just go, and this is fun. It's fun. We're going to have a little bit of fun here because we, you know, snarky faith, we've got to have a little bit of fun. And this is from ranker.com. 
who ranks things. Get it? The title. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And so this is Ranker.com's article by Ellie Tharp uh, called Why is Jesus Depicted as Being White? And she offers a few nuggets of information that I just love. And they're snarky. At least I'm assuming she means them that way. Uh, one of her reasons was whiteness is associated with purity. And Jesus was pure. So? Another one of her reasons. Early on, Christians were too persecuted to create Jesus representations. Oh, so we were too persecuted to do the right thing. And we let Jesus go and get white. How did this happen? Another one of her reasons, which actually there's truth is, uh, the Romans didn't exactly want to glorify and oppress minority. And so as Rome begins to adopt Christianity as its main belief system, thanks, Constantine, no one wants to go around celebrating an oppressed minority. What? I mean, that was a Roman problem. Like, we don't have problems with minorities here in America. Silly Romans. You should be more like us Americans that were founded on Christian values. Silly Romans. And yes, one of our other reasons, Ken, it, it, these are actually, some of these are like, they're silly, but some of them are funny too, is that Roman artistic depictions became the mainstream. Documents of questionable origin began describing uh, Jesus' appearance in the Middle Ages. Uh, people claimed to have visions of Jesus that made him white. What? That doesn't happen. Don't go and look for a Lifeway bookstore in America that has stories about people that died and were in heaven and saw white Jesus. That wouldn't happen maybe in Rome, but not here, right? Lifeway wouldn't do that to us because they're all about Jesus and the Benjamins. Meaning dollar. Oh, wait, never mind. Wait, what? Does Lifeway only care about money? Oh, yeah, they do. Yes, they do. And her other reasons, artists had numerous incentives to portray Jesus as white. Another reason, Jesus, white Jesus was a necessary tool for slavery. What? That's not why we... Is it really? Oh, it is a little bit. The Nazis also claimed that Jesus was Aryan. Ew, now we're getting icky. The mainstream media continues to portray Jesus as white. Huh? Sorry, Jim Caviezel. Uh, and I can take you to feel more gross as... Yes, we move down this list and i love the like one of the last ones she has here is historians can't prove his race beyond a shadow of a doubt is why we have white jesus really like wait what we can't prove that jesus was a middle eastern jew like if we can't prove that you're not really reading the bible or sermon certain works of roman literature what? 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 Yes. It's bad history. It's bad theology. And it's just bad, bad, bad all around. And of course, 
no one on Fox News would go on to claim that Jesus was white, would they? Would they? Now, this is from a couple years back, mind you, maybe during a less enlightened times where Megyn Kelly was getting, he was getting a little bit mad that people were wanting to, you know, assert that Santa doesn't need to be white. And she went and said this. Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change. You know, I mean, Jesus yeah. was a white man too, but you, you know, it's like, we have, he was a historical figure. I mean, that's a verifiable fact, as is Santa. I just want right. the kids watching to know that. Yes. But my point is, how do you just revise it, you know, in the middle of the legacy of the story and change Santa from white to black? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. You know, you can't take facts and then try to change them to fit some sort of a political agenda or a sensitivity agenda. <laughs> I like the argument they're trying to make here because they're really the argument they're trying to make is that Santa is white and always needs to be white because white, 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 Fox News, white, white, white people. I don't know. And I'm saying this as a white person being ashamed that white people are speaking such whiteness. And I need to walk away from using the word white for a few minutes just to cleanse my palate. But seriously, yes. So in their argument that Santa needs to stay white because, of course, morons, Jesus was white. And we don't want to make him anything other than white. Like, historically speaking, he's totally white. I'm sorry, Megan. What are other Fox News pundits? What is going on here? Ah, uh, yeah, and that leads me to our last story that we're going to talk about. This is from Sojourners Magazine, uh, an article entitled White People Need a Non-White Jesus by Drew uh, Elizard Miller. And this comes kind of back on the heels of what was being said by Megyn Kelly, that Jesus needs to be white because Jesus has always been white because white... And again, I continue to feel sick about saying this. But yeah, let's hop into the article. So the article says this. Although Jesus may transcend race, he also descended into the racial context of the New Testament. Jesus did not come as the king of the Romans, but rather as a child of a colonized and oppressed people group. If our modern Jesus is only white, we miss who Jesus really was and is today. Uh, a telling, telling a parable, a final judgment, Matthew 25, Jesus implies that God becomes particular in the faces of the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, and the stranger. When those who know struggling face God at final judgment, Jesus says he will ask them, quote, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, of the least of these brothers or, and sisters of mine, you did for me. If Jesus indeed abides in the least society, then our idea, then our theology of church leadership looks a lot different and a lot less privileged. The article continues saying this. In his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, James Cone contextualizes the least of these in American culture, drawing a parallel between the black experience of lynching and Christ's death on the Roman cross. Cone writes, quote, the cross places God in the midst of, of crucified people in the midst of people who are hung, shot, burned, and tortured. While Cone's theology deals with the lynching of blacks, his work along with Matthew 25 implies that Christ is within the systematically oppressed and his conclusions are inclusive of other people of color 
who have borne a cross similar to that of the lynching tree. Unfortunately, many white evangelicals have interpreted the least of these parable into a mere call to help people of color and have unwittingly reinforced the white savior complex. Rather than recognizing the leadership of Christ within the people of color who have experienced the cross firsthand, white churches often put photographs of people of color on the wall or show, quote, compassionate videos of them in church calling Christians to aid them in their struggle as if people of color are powerless people who existed only in faraway countries that needed evangelism. You see, the problem with the white Jesus it ends up giving us people like a white Trump, orange Trump, white Trump. You know what I mean? But the problem of this is that Christianity is not meant to be tribalistic in nature. It's meant to be inclusive in nature. It's not meant to be, oh, it's for the whites. It's for the browns. That's for the blacks. That's for this. That's for this. That's for this. No, no, it's not about dividing. It should be about uniting people. But it's not. And especially when we are able to see Christianity in the hands, which it has been for centuries, in the hands of white men. Especially white men with microphones right now, too. I'm throwing myself under the bus with this. When Christianity is only seen through the eyes of the powerful white men, it becomes a problematic following. When Christianity can only see white privilege or white problems or white people hurting and only sees people that look different than them, especially American Christians, when we look out to the mission field and see different people, they're suffering. Look at them. They need water. They're so uneducated. They need white saviors. It continues to just make this savior mentality within Christianity and it doesn't give us a mentality that calls us to go and say, hey, what's happening on our southern border sucks. It's wrong. It's inhumane. And it's not Christian at all. We, as followers of Jesus, regardless of what color our skin is, should go and help these people because this is morally wrong. This is wrong because it does not fit in with God's kingdom wrong. And this, the color of people's skins do not matter because Jesus said that. For the least of these, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. So sorry, white church, your time is over. You were never meant to have a time, but somehow you did, and it ran for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. The Church of Christ is just supposed to be about people, humans, humans, regardless of color, regardless of, of money, status, education, any of that other stuff. Hey, the call of Christians is supposed to go be for us to go and help people that need help. But we don't do that anymore. We'd rather be pharisaical and persecute people and stay comfortable. And that's the sad state of American Christianity in a nutshell by Snarky Faith. Well, as we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com. Also a reminder, if you want to call and leave us messages that will probably end up on the air, you can you can call us at 919-525-1570. That's all the time I've got this week, and I will catch you guys again next week with more grace and peace and snark for each of you. I'm out of here.
WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question-askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.